This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Carl Jockamson is the first Australian on the Bass Master Elite fishing tour. He was raised in a small town in Queensland, Australia, and he was raised a fisherman and a hunter. And so when he first came to the United States and started getting a little influential, a little famous, he noticed that, oh man, I, I, I shouldn't be posting anything about hunting because look at all the negativity and all the backlash that people are getting because they post about hunting. Well, today, in the situation he's in, he has almost 90,000 people that follow him. He is very, very comfortable about posting about hunting. And so I wanted to have him on and just talk through his story, really, and why he's so comfortable about talking about hunting and posting about hunting, because let's be honest, there's lots of people of influence out there that are hunters that refuse to say that they are a hunter. And we need more of the calls of the world. A big shout out to Brandon Palinuk, who put us in contact with Carl. And I know you're going to enjoy this conversation since it's two great accents. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name is... Does my hair look okay? It's my name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. 
there's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Yep. <laughs> okay, so let's clear the air, all right, straight away. Yep. South African, better rugby team than Aussies, right? <laughs> we might, the podcast might end early. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look, I'll tell that. you this, man. I'll tell you this. We suck uh-huh. outside the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems to be on the big stage. You guys uh, do, do real good. It's always a battle, though. Always a battle, man. Always a yeah. battle. What do you think? Who's going to win? Who's, who's, what's your prediction, World Cup? Next year, well, I, I, the the tough thing about being over in the states is I've lost contact with a lot of like that. You know, I haven't been able to follow it near as much. But as long as Australia's in it, I'm always back in the Aussies, no matter what. <laughs> Heck yeah! Um, no, I'm. I feel the same way, man. Can't get the information. Yeah, I know. It's it's like even you know I lived and breathed state of origin in australia like oh, what like, an amazing series what yeah, a, like, like oh man like that's where i get my like spirit of you know like that come from behind never get quit type grit comes from those um origin days of you know being down with in you know minutes to go and being able to make a comeback and queensland win and um a lot of it comes from all of that and it sucks but i've just lost it i don't even know any of the players that are in the origin anymore i it hasn't been that long but um you know they're all new young players now those that um well let's let's introduce you because they can clearly hear the audience can clearly hear you have a, an accent, maybe not as good as my South African accent. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know this, but half my family's Australian. They're the dark side of the family. You know, we don't like oh, to talk yeah. about that side of the family. You know, <laughs> yeah, we get uh, you get mistaken over here. People either say South African, New Zealand, or Australia. They they always have a have a guess, and it's usually one of those three. Well, Carl Jockinson, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast, man. I'm stoked for you to be here. It's these the you're the kind of person that we want to talk to, man. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Give a little brief introduction to who you are, where you come from. Um, yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, born and bred in uh, Australia, Toowoomba, Queensland. Uh, it was my um, my hometown, and I basically lived in Australia. Uh, my in my first 26 years of my life. Um, I grew up uh, fishing, hunting, outdoors, um, doing just about anything I could um, to get on the lake, get out in the bush. Uh, I worked on my uncle's farm. He had 8,000 acres um, in Western Queensland. And uh, I got a lot of my life experiences from out there, the real true life experiences, um, some of the best things. But yeah, right through school, just fishing um, and you know, not 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 being at school near enough, but I was always out exploring, doing something. And about the age of 15, 14, uh, 15, I discovered um, bass tournaments in Australia. And um, just my competitive nature, I grew up playing sports, playing rugby, um, 
and uh, just was competitive in everything. But fishing always, it always came back to fishing and hunting and getting away. Uh, and then through the tournaments, I found a way to feed my competitive side and mm. do what I love. And um, from about 14, I always just wanted to fish and be out, outdoors. But from about 14 onwards, I was like, uh, when I discovered the tournaments, I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And unfortunately, grow up, growing up in Australia, that's not really a thing. And <laughs> it's kind of unheard of. And uh, I end up, um, I fished every single tournament that I could. And I worked in tackle stores and I just immersed myself in the outdoors. And I did that for about 10 years in Australia. And I end up becoming one of the best bass anglers in Australia. I won our biggest tournaments. I won Angler of the Year three times. And sort of the big step, and when you, are involved in that in Australia, you're always looking at the US like that is the big stage, you know, and that's the same, I think, for any sportsman in Australia, whether you're a golfer or, you know, it was always like you got it. It doesn't matter how good you did in Australia. Right. You had to go to America to sort of consider making it, I guess. And so a lot of my techniques, a lot of the things I learned, um, a lot of the things I looked up to were um, – you know, in a, in the US, and that was the Bassmaster um, Elite Series, and then uh, and then the Bassmaster Classic, which is basically the biggest fishing tournament in the world. You know, mm -hmm. they fill stadiums. There's sometimes fifty thousand people in the stadium. The guys weighing fish in. Mm. I've always just watched that and dreamt of it ever since I was a little kid. And uh, yeah, I moved to the US. I I went. I got an experience. You moved purposely. You're like, I'm coming, and I'm going to fish. So in 2009 or 2008, I won a trip to the US. I'd never left Australia, but our, our Bassmaster Classic, our biggest event of the year, it was an expenses paid trip to the US. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline to try and give an Australian um, that feeder experience to say, hey, maybe we've got a guy that can make mm -hmm. it over here or give him a chance. Had so there been an Australian before you? That, that, they'd come over and fished in those um, from winning, you know. They'd come over and fish for a week or two and then come home. And a, a phenomenal experience, but most no one came back and, and tried to have a go. And so... I had tried to win that to give myself a foot in the door. And after 10 years of competing in Australia, I finally won it in 2008. And then I came over in 2009 and I got the American experience. And, you know, it was, it was unbelievable. Like when I got here, the, the hunting, the fishing, the way mm -hmm. it was perceived, the way people spoke about it, I just got, I got goosebumps just then because I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I felt it because of Australia is just a lot different in the way they sure. view fishing and hunting and the outdoors. And I was always looked at a bit of an outsider and always careful of who you spoke and all of that. Um, and so 
I just fell in love with it. And I'm like, and I actually competed in the US Open out of Lake Mead and I came second. And I happened to run into a guy, Fred Rombanis, who fishes and competes on the highest level. And he saw me fish and compete. And he's like, man, you have what it takes. I watch people fish. I can see it. You've got something. And he gave me a bit of a spark. And uh, I went home after that trip and I, I just said, that's it, I'm doing it. And I sold everything I owned. I sold my truck, my boat, um, every bit of outdoor thing I had, tackle. I saved up for a year. And then uh, I did I did a fundraiser. I did whatever I could. And then I moved here in 2011 with the dream of becoming a Bassmaster Elite Series angler. No Australian had ever done it in history. And, um, and in 2015, I, I did it. So after four Man. years of competing full-time and going broke and going bankrupt and flying home and coming back and visas and all the crazy stuff, um, I did it. And so I made it to the Elite Series in 2015. And then uh, I've basically almost competed there ever since. Um, it's been a battle through all of that, even getting to that position. It's still insanely tough. Um, and then in 2019, how many, how many people are at that level for people that have like no idea? It's the top hundred guys in the world. So basically cut off at a hundred. Um, it's unbelievably competitive. It's how really many internationals? Hot. Cause you've got a couple of Japanese guys in there, right? Yeah. Um, there's only, there's usually only a few. So, um, there's been usually one or two, um, from Japan and, uh, and then, uh, two, and then three from Canada. So, mm-hmm. um, so I've been the first, only Australian to make it, and no Aussies have made it since. And there's been a couple that are starting to filter through and try. COVID stopped a lot of that, but hopefully, um, get a making a bit of a path for some more Aussies to come and do it. Um, but yeah, had top hundred guys, and then uh, and then I won my very first event in 2019. That was kind of my big breakthrough um, that really boosted me. And um, and then this year I made, I had my best year. I didn't win one, but I made the Bassmaster Classic, which is the pinnacle of the sport. And so I'll be competing in that next year. So what is that? The top 25. It's the top 50. They have 50 guys. Um, it's 300,000 for first. Um, I think last year or in Knoxville, they had 160,000 people come through. Jeez. Um, and, you know, there'll be, there was like 16,000 people at the takeoff in the morning at blast off. And it's, it's wild. You get to play your song when you come into the stadium and, uh, the, the, the crowd's just massive. You, you know, you pull your fish out and weigh in in front of everyone. It's kind of like where the dream really started for most Amazing. kids. And Amazing, man. So when you came here, where did you land? Where was like starting point? Because when I came to the States, it was Mississippi. I, I don't think you landed in Mississippi. Yeah, it was. I got a weird. It's an interesting one. I literally knew one guy and uh, his name was Gary <laughs> Boyd. And he lived in downtown LA. Oh, my but, God. But he flew to Australia and would fish our Barramundi tournaments there. Hmm. He fell in love with it and he f- competed on the West Coast. So he fished mead and um havasu and clear lake and all up and down um california well he was my only contact and he was an he's older um and i just talked to him he said hey if you want to come over you can stay here i'll show you how to drive i'll teach you this we'll get you set up (laughs) 
he was a really good angler, so he was going to teach me stuff that I didn't know. And yeah, I packed a suitcase full of clothes, a suitcase full of tackle, a rod tube, and I left Australia. And I flew in, and Gary was waiting for me there in the LA airport. And the next and that that day, that. that day we started fishing and started started the learning curve. <laughs> and today, Idaho is home, right? No, actually, um, so my wife Kayla, she's from Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and okay. uh, and but we're actually based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So that's really. Where is here yeah dude you know i'm in memphis tennessee right oh really okay. yeah <laughs> awesome. are you gonna come to um i don't know what where you'll be at the time but you know that the big safari show sci is happening in nashville this year okay huh. i didn't know that february 22nd no. to the 26th okay yeah that's getting close to where our season's <laughs> i would love to be there that's for sure especially being that close well, that's oh, yeah. awesome that you're in freaking Tennessee, yeah. man. I didn't even know. So that's yep. permanent base now because of just fishing-wise? Is it just yep. an easier entry point to find go to places? Yeah, so we actually basically since 15, we've lived out of a um, like a truck camper, a Lance. And so we have that goes in the back of our truck. We tow our boat. And once you're on the road, we would stay on the road because I would compete and then I would like fish another lake and then compete again. And uh, – and just the nature of this sport and how it is, it's very difficult to survive until you get that breakthrough. So we would just, we'd never bought anything and we'd never really based ourselves somewhere. And Coeur d'Alene, Idaho is incredible. It's just too far away, like to mm-hmm. really hold in that season, even though Brandon does it. and But like he does an incredible amount of traveling. And that's sort of his home base where he really has his comfort and he, he loves to go home because of the hunting. And one day I could see myself and see us moving back there and living there. Um, but for now, Chattanooga is like, it's unbelievable. I've got, we've got an incredible setup here. Like mm. we're just so close. The driving is what kills you in this sport. You're traveling right. 10 hours, 20 hours more non-stop and so this gave us a real home base where one of the best lakes in the country is right here chickamauga and then you've got smallmouth spotted bass largemouth all good species to learn from um and so we just we found this spot and the hunting and the outdoors is incredible you've got mountains like we just sort of fell in love with tennessee really because mm-hmm. it had a little bit of kayla's home a little mm-hmm. bit of the mountains um and then a, and then a little bit of what I loved. And uh, yeah, so we, this is kind of the home base now. And do I remember correctly, Brandon said somehow you are now kin. You're somehow family, right? Who yeah. did you marry? I married Brandon's cousin, Kayla. So, yeah. Was it just so, like we're all going to get together in Idaho and she was <laughs> interested in another fisherman or what? what, what you know, what's the deal? It happened through kind of Brandon, but, um, you know, back when Brandon was just starting to sort of support me a little bit and seeing that I was really trying. Um, he, uh, he supported he, you with a cousin. Like, yeah, hey. he, he supported <laughs> me way, and then I started seeing his cousin without him knowing. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, uh, I had to have that awkward conversation. You know your cousin Kayla? Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that was uh, – that's how we became um, – and then we, we – you know, we've – been really good friends right through that and sort of before um we met Kayla and it's just Kayla's whole family lives up there her mom and her dad and Kayla grew up up there and it's just been an unbelievable relationship because 
like coming from Australia, I've now got to elk hunt. I've got to hunt up in the mountains. I've got to spend that time with Brandon and other guys. And, uh, you know, I'm just like, I just love that part of the country and I love that style of hunting. It's what I kind of did in Australia um, a little bit. And, um, and so like, yeah, every year I'm like loving the season, but like September's coming. I'm like, no matter what, I've, I'm go- we're going to Idaho. So tell me a little bit about your hunting upbringing in Aussie. Obviously, um, is is you said Toowoomba, right? Yeah, yeah. Toowoomba so is it anywhere near Chinchilla? Kind of, and that's where I kind of grew up with my uncle. He was at Meandara, so Dolby, and then further mm-hmm. west of Dolby um, is Meandara, and um, and so he had an eight thousand acre property out there, um, but. I actually grew up a little bit of that sort of hunting, but um, really... Bow or rifle or both? um, All rifle growing up. I I had a bow pretty young, used to shoot it. And we, you know, I I I shot rabbits and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I got Mm -hmm. okay with the bow. wasn't until later in life I really got into the bow hunting. And I wanted to progress from like from experience in the rifle hunting into the bow, if that makes sense. I liked, um, I wanted to see what everything was about with the rifle before I just jumped into that. Um, even though as soon as I got into it, I was like, this is all I want to do. Um, mm-hmm. but sort of my mentor and the guy that got me into hunting, he was all about rifle hunting and just very making it quick and getting the animal rather than, um, the whole everything all the steps that come with bow hunting um so he actually hunted red deer and um and that's and we had a lot of reds in australia and not far so i he um was actually with my mum um at the time for a while and and um he sort of took me as a 10 year old like i want to go and so he was like oh, all right you know that sort of stuff like i'll take him because my mum's like hey Carl wants mm-hmm. to hunt take him exactly and, like all right and then i kept up with him you know in the mount up in those mountains and i was just keen and so he took me then every year and sort of took me under his wing and uh we would go in the roar and and just see the reds and i sort of grew up right through that um and then we just had lots of pig hunting um, yeah 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 and lots of culling on my uncle's property of all the feral animals all of that sort of stuff trying to keep all of them under control um and then you know i didn't get to do like a t- like i just had those few lot of goats that, you know and just the thing with it was is like i didn't have a ton of guys um that were right into it and it was always like a bit funny with you know the what how you could speak about it and so I, I never really like pushed it hard. It was always a little bit under the rug of what I, how passionate mm-hmm. I was about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I got like my all my mates were right into um, hunting pigs with dogs, and it's totally different in the way they do it in Australia. Um, it's 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 unbelievable. And I fell in love with that for a lot of years. I had a four wheeler. I had my two dogs and like chest plates, the track and collars. And like they, my, one of my best mates, he did it for a living where he would box the pigs and kangaroos and they would go, you know, that he, he made lots of money out of, out of uh, shooting pigs and kangaroos. And, um, he, his dogs and the way he did it, it was just phenomenal. But it's sort of, that side of things is looked down on from certain people, but yep. when you do it with yep. the right people, it's unbelievable, you know. And it's like anything, there's bad eggs 
um, in fishing, there's bad eggs. In hunters, there's bad rifle hunters, there's bad bow hunters, and there's bad people that hunt with dogs, and there's phenomenal ones. And I, I was lucky, and I have been lucky in my life, that fishermen that I've run into and um, hunters in every aspect have been almost like at the pinnacle of what they do like the real like proper way to do it and they don't they do it right and and that's how and so when I run into someone and I'm learning like you sort of figure out this guy does it like how I would do it and how I want to learn and so I got to do a lot of that um in Australia um but it's just totally different there it's just spoken about differently more public land and so it was a big eye open to come to the US and hunting public hunting private. Do you land think Australia. you're talking more freely about hunting here? Yeah, like I hunt, that's the biggest thing that I noticed. You know, um, seen I've seen a switch. I've seen it go back the other way, and then I've seen it coming back again now, which is good. Um, but that's what everyone talked about hunting and when you spoke about hunting here people were like more you felt open and then they were more uh likely to like have a, a, a positive response to it i found um here for my whole time here and i'm like wow this is this is unbelievable and and everyone kind of hunted and like bass pro shops with the mounts and things like even that was just kind of crazy to me i was like this is this is cool and um and so in between there i saw the switch where as social media started to make a rise mm -hmm. and become more mainstream more popular and then i saw what when the hunting post would get made how how big it was, how, how like negative it was. And some, some people that did it was like just filled with negativity and these people would almost get crushed. And it was like, whoa. And like I pulled way up on it. Like I got yeah, kind yeah, of like, yeah, for sure. in a way I'm like far out. This is wild. And so, um, and then, you know, it sucks because I wish I had been more of a leader, but like I wasn't willing to go through like that storm because um, already I didn't, I don't like negative talk. I didn't like, I already got negativity on social media through anything when it was, people would just say stuff and it was, mm -hmm. I, I would respond to it or react to it. So I didn't like it. Um, and so going to that level, I knew that's a like a big lot of, weight to take on your shoulders of what you're going to get and so as um so many of these guys have done such a great job of like bringing it to mainstream and going through that storm and coming out the other side i've seen this huge switch and as i as they explained it so perfectly to a non-hunter and even for me like oh those are the points that you need to be hitting on certain things that just make perfect like logical sense once i got that around i started to say i'm not going to hide from who i am this is what i love to do i'm passionate about it and i i i know i'm i'm speaking from like a good place in my heart of where it's all coming from and since i did that i post about hunting now and i post about my elk that i just shot and i i shot an elk and i posted three in a row there was not a single negative comment in 
my there was there was one on Facebook from a lady in Australia and she just didn't understand you know like from that that side of things and sometimes I just get it but I, I definitely have seen a big switch where I'm like well this is pretty cool you've seen the attitudes starting to change dude it's uh, from someone who is fighting for hunting every single day and someone who I get absolutely pissed off when I know I have celebrities, I have influences in our corner yeah. and they won't say anything. And I've yeah. got these, I've got these huge, huge, huge celebrity accounts that are against hunting. And I'm like, where the hell are my celebrities? Like where the hell are my influences? Right? Yeah. So I, I'm, you don't know me from a bar of soap. I hope that we get to know each other a little bit more, just like Brandon and I are getting to know each other a little bit more. But I'm yeah. incredibly proud that you are willing to step up, and you do it, in, and you did it in such a respectful manner, right? Inherent yeah. to hunting is killing. Okay, yeah. I know that. Everyone knows that. We don't yeah. have to be blatant about it, but you can be yeah. subtle about it. Like your picture, the elk is on your back. You're in this massive landscape. You swipe. Yeah. The very next picture are these beautiful elk tenderloins sitting yeah. on a cutting board, right? Then you swipe yeah. it again, and it's in going in the vacuum, you know, packed little yeah. container because yeah. it's going into the food. It's going into the freezer to feed yeah. your family. Yeah. That is your why, Carl. That is explaining to someone who has no idea about hunting, someone who yeah. thinks that hunters are all killers and that you guys are murderers and, well, you can't really murder an animal, yeah. but that's bygones, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. But you did it so well, my friend. And I can't, I couldn't, I didn't know you then, but I couldn't ask for something better from someone of your stature. You're going to grow in your stature and yeah. just being proud, being a hunter, man. Thank you. No, that it, it that means a lot. It's where I want to, um, you know. It's, I, and it's it's funny because I I grew up. My dad was a vet, and I am more passionate. I'm an animal lover. Like I'm more of an animal lover. No one that really knew me would say you hunt because I love animals so much. Like I had big menagerie, like aviaries of every animal you can imagine. When animals would get hit, I would be looking after the joeys, you know, bringing an all these sorts of animals. And I had cows and calves and all this stuff growing up. I just, I have such respect. Anytime I see a bird, doesn't matter if I'm fishing, if they're wrapped in line, I'm going to help it. And but and then so to tell some to go from that and then tell someone that I hunt is such a it's such a crazy contrast that um but there's just those ways that we've seen how to um show that you know these are the reasons and this is why and this is why I think it's actually better um when my my mom and my sister picked me up from the airport in Brisbane just on that drive home they said, "Oh, you, we saw you shot the elk and stuff." And um, they are my—they have the biggest hearts, you know. They just—I mean, both my mum and sister—they couldn't hurt a flea if they tried. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. But they're going to eat chicken burgers and McDonald's, and you know, love a good steak. And so that—that's where the explanation has to come in. Of like, okay, like 
they're, they're not telling me I can't hunt, but like my explanation across to them of why I didn't, why I think it's actually better and what that animal um, did and then comparison to, you know, having the factory farming, the, the steak and all of these things that are coming through, by the, just a 30-minute conversation, they were just, they were like blown away with how I was explaining it and they'd never thought about it. Mm. And I'm like, even still now, even though the way I hear it and listen to it because I listen to so much. There's so many people out there that haven't heard it. So like it's still even my family and as much as I love hunting and much as I have done it, it was only the other day that when I talked about it, they were like, far out, that's actually awesome. I was like, you, I can tell you how much I appreciate every bit of meat that came off that elk. Not a single bit is wasted. And I'm like, you know, when you bite a chicken burger and you're halfway through it and you're full and they, you just throw it in a bin, like any fish that I've, that I've killed and kept, that I've, rate, that I've harvested, animal-wise, deer, doesn't matter, I'm never doing that in a million years. That's not happening. Like you're going to eat every bit of that because you know what has gone into it. When, it. when that disconnect is there and you're able to just throw it in a bin, I'm like, which one is worse there? You've just got no value to that. That, that was an animal too and someone else had to do all the job for you right up to where you're eating it and you're full and you just throw it out. And I'm like, if you actually raised that chicken and then harvested it and plucked it and did all of those things to it down to that chicken burger, you wouldn't eat half of it and throw it away. But that's just what's happening all the time. And then they're generally the people that were getting negative comments on. But um, I just think there's so many awesome ways to explain it of so many different um hunters that are coming up that get it and understand and know how to like articulate it best to people across that will resonate and hit them and be like far out maybe mm -hmm. actually i want to do that <laughs> well can i get some elk or can i get you know it have you given anybody on the bass tour because brandon told me a little story of the japanese guys and he was like cooking elk and they were like what are you cooking and he said oh i'm cooking elk and those boys couldn't eat it fast enough <laughs> yeah. Well, the more people are learning how good elk meat is for you and then how good it tastes. Like when I, when I give it to someone to try, I go, this is why you see me walking through the mountains for weeks and days and trying to, and all the heartaches and heartbreaks is because of this right here. When you taste it and the way you feel after it, um, all of those things, even just like, not like Brandon was so awesome. After I, um, harvested my elk we went back to his house and we did we dressed the entire elk out at his house like every piece of meat our hands touched it went into the um, esky then into the freezer and we're pulling it out it's like didn't go to a post like we had our hands on it the right the way through and uh, never in my life I would have you know being on the Bassmaster dream a dream has been to open a freezer up of meat that I had like harvested off the mountain and I have that now and I can't wait to share up my family and a lot of Aussies are coming over for the Bassmaster Classic so I get to share some elk with them um, and I'll share it with you know whoever wants some because um you know, just that one, that one animal is literally going to feed us all of, we just, every time we open that freezer up. All year, just, man. It's just all year. You just have the meat there. And, um, you know, Kayla and I are super um, diligent on what we eat and how we eat it. And just the way that America is, is you have to be like that now because there's just so much garbage and all the stuff mm -hmm. that we eat mm -hmm. and drink that 
getting that perfect piece of protein that you know has not been touched that's it, it makes your body feel 10 times better when you eat it are you saying that my mcdonald's big mac that i eat on the road when i go driving is not good for me yeah <laughs> very good <laughs> sure, i love a big mac man i love a yeah. big mac on the road man Shit. Down, i can tell you we're heading straight to the burger place when i stopped <laughs> we came down we needed more ice and it was like 30 minutes to the nearest town we're like we're getting the biggest burger and fries you've ever seen <laughs> but you earned it it's just not doing it every day 1000 percent, man 1000 when is the best master classic next year um it's at the end of march so that's so it's almost two- the beginning of the season yeah yeah i don't they i forget exactly why they do that but we actually have two elite series events and then the classic and then the season continues on for that so you actually fish the classic from the from the following year from the year before and where is that classic this year it's in knoxville tennessee right here oh man your backyard yep yep (laughs) do you get to like you know the lake that it's happening on off limits you're not allowed any information from any anyone so it's all up to you you can't get any you, you're not allowed to fish it beforehand you can up until the first of january so i've been spending time there now so i'll drive across or i'll camp there and i'll put and i've already fished a tournament there and put quite a bit of time in but um right now with the water low i'll go out there and spend days and days just searching looking and putting sort of a bit of a plan together yeah because the water if the what will the water be up by the time you fish it yeah, it should be, yeah. And you get rains in March and stuff. So when the water's low, it's good to be like mark laydowns and rocks and, you know, just mm-hmm. underwater. Mm-hmm. Putting in that, it's almost like, yeah, pre-season work for a, a hunt or something like that. You're like putting in that work and hopefully pays off when the time have you, comes. Um, have you turkey hunted yet? Yeah, I just shot my very first turkey this year. Um, do you know, you know Andy Morgan? Do you know Andy? Andy Morgan. Andy Morgan. He's a really he's a he fishes like the FLW tour. He's one of the best like okay. fishermen on that side and MLF. But his actual big passion is hunting. He's one of the best hunters like in Tennessee. Here he's, un- okay. he's unbelievable. He's out of Dayton. You would know him because he's shot like he's done a lot of video. Like he's done lots of films and okay. stuff as well. And he hunts with Levi Morgan a bunch. Okay, cool. So, um, and he's sort of he he's not far from here so he's taken me hunting um quite a bit and uh what was funny is like he took me hunt turkey hunting two seasons in a row and he gets everyone a turkey he's a freak like he just gets them coming in and um and he got like we had lots of opportunities but he had a giant one come in 10 feet from me and i was laying down and i couldn't see it and i thought it was going to keep strutting and it just took off like right in front and uh and like i had all of these missed opportunities and then my wife kayla on the last day last year she came out and she shot that one that i missed <laughs> and so i had a whole year of like kayla shooting a big um turkey and like me have never shot one and then um, this year I went out and I think on our second day I shot a big, a pretty big uh, gobbler. It had double beard and everything. Nice. It was Isn't very it just a, It's like they call it a disease, turkey hunting. I have, I'm afflicted with the disease and that it's, it's just uh, yeah. something it's, um, else. It's, 
It's like elk hunting. That's how I. So that's why I like it because we don't see. Well, people it in say it's turk elk hunting. They say uh, I haven't done like a true, true like bull elk in the rut hunt. Yeah. They say elk hunting is is turkey hunting on steroids. Yeah, yeah, that's how I would explain it. Like, and up in Tennessee here is like in the mountains. You're sort of like you're 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 up and down these pretty big ridges, and you're sneaking in on them. And you know we. We had the best like hunt. We had these two out on this field, and Andy's like trying to get him in, and he's got me tucked in like this root clump of this big lay down tree, and we're like all hunkered down. I've got the shotgun like out, and um, and he's calling. He's like, "Man, there's two, and they're coming, and we're watching them come across this field." Anyway, he's Andy's like, "They're gonna walk right in front of you, so like just get ready." So I'm like kneeled down Andy's tucked in beside me we're like camoed up and I'm just dead still you know and you can't move and we look to our right and 10 feet from our right that the first one walks right through but I'm face straight ahead and Andy's like don't move and then so we're waiting there next minute the big gobbler came through right behind him and say we're sort of done I'm like there's nothing we can do like as soon as you move they're gone and Andy just slowly picks up the big tail fan the feather and he like picks it up and he like sort of hides me and they look at us and he's like pull your gun out and bring it across so I slowly slide it out and I put it through that tail fan and it just starts walking well I end up getting twisted like all the way around like this as far as I can go and Andy's head's like next to my head and then he just like made a little puck and his head came up and I shot him and that oh, was man that was my first turkey and like yeah I'm, uh, I actually want to get a full mount because Andy's just super cool and I just think they're such a intriguing animal, the way like every different feather goes and stuff. So um, that was a pretty special hunt for me and that just Well, you've got to figure out because obviously a lot of your tour is happening in the spring, right? And you're going to different places and obviously you don't yeah. have much time between fishing tournaments and whatnot. But, that's, uh, that's the battle with turkey hunting. It's right in the middle of when we're sort of go time. So you got to just jump on it when you can that's right that's right well Carl, my man you are uh, you're an exceptional individual and i really appreciate you posting and talking and being comfortable to talk about hunting because we need more and more and more of you and um i appreciate brandon yeah. putting us in contact and um good luck my man i can't wait to uh, Thank you. your backyard raise the freaking trophy and then yeah. uh first aussie ever huh yeah, that would be unreal. That'd be awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys too, and keep doing what you're doing. We need, we need you guys just as much as uh, everyone else. You know, supporting each other as a hunt community. Find it like-minded the way we like to hunt, the way we see it, and put it out there and get more involved and get more people understanding. I think, uh, you know, I got a lot of people in front of me that have paved the way for allow me to even think about talking about hunting, especially online and social media. And it's like a big weight off my shoulders. I feel very uh, way comfortable about doing it and feel good about talking and why I'm doing it and the reasons. And it's because a lot of people have sort of stuck their neck out in the first place. And I've got to thank a lot of people for that. Well, if you ever come across someone who gives you a comment asking you a question, you're like, mm, I don't know quite how to handle this or how to answer it, reach out. We'll be yeah, happy to give you some 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 advice and even we'll write it out for you and you can just copy and paste it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boss right, man. Good to talk to you. Cheers, mate. Yeah. Well, that's it for today. 
appreciate you listening. As always, leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.